<gasps> hey, it's cowboy shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just this is why we can't record a nice podcast because I go and start and then Wasey just burps or something Makes shitty weird happens. Sounds. But hey, it's episode forty-five of Cowboy Shit. Man, it's August, so when are we gonna hit fifty? I just realized we're gonna September. be at our fiftieth episode. No, that's not right. August is forty-five. End of August is forty-six. 46. September is forty-seven, forty-eight. October. October is 48 or 49.50. So in October, we're going to have our 50th Halloween episode. Pod. Halloween pod. Halloween 50th. 50th epi. Maybe we should have like a Ghost story of the road. Should we do a 50th, <laughs> we do a 50th episode like party? Party, a party cool. cast? That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> do you want us to do another Bachelor? No. <laughs> you can't. Don't put that in. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Had to go there. Oh god! I'm oh, sorry, man. I'm sorry. Oh man! <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good on that. I'm good. I'm okay, good. I'm good. Like I'll, do, I'll, I'll. No, do no, 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 no. Just trying to help you. Out. No, you don't want to do. No, once was enough. Once was enough. Are you sure? Like, yeah, no, like, no, no. no we're just out. gonna. No, we're, no, we're just gonna. No, that's okay. good, man. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You know who the first one to say that though was Storm. She's like, oh, "You guys no. can just do another one." No, it's no, okay. no, 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 no. I'm out. Okay. For that reason, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. Okay. It's all good. But the party <laughs> idea sounds good. Yeah, let's do. So we should so do that. that we should that do it like a see if we can get like a, a someone venue. to host it. Yeah, like like uh, Origins so or HQ. somewhere like a brewery or something. Yeah, that'd I like be kind of cool. Or uh, down at Smith Built or somewhere cool like that. That could be fun. Yeah. So the fiftieth episode, we got to line up a guest, Brian. That's Brian, Smithville. yeah, yeah, we could, we could. If we're gonna use his venue, but we, if, he might want to party too. But so, you know what I mean, though. Like something like that would be kind of cool. Yeah, true. Yeah, it'd be sweet. Fiftieth, my first job in Calgary to now the podcast with the guy that Comes gave me circle. my first job in Calgary. Full circle. I mean, we don't make any money at the podcast, but like we still <laughs> like to do it. It's fun. We've made money a couple. Of, well, I haven't made money, but we've no, gotten paid. A couple we times. haven't lost too much, I guess. <laughs> And it's been fun. Like we're it's having a fun, good time, and we're we're doing something in the industry that is hasn't new been done yet. and different. It's being done quite a lot now. But we were first to market. That's true. First, we were first. What first, and then we were like mediocre, and then average. You know what I mean? Like first, best, different. Like we're like first, but then we're like mediocre, and then just like I wouldn't be. That's pretty harsh. Drinking beer. It's a pretty harsh evaluation. We're doing okay. Then you're saying I think like, we're doing great. Yeah. Okay. People are coming up to us. We are at first, events and like we were saying first. that they like the pod. I think we were first in the Western... Like, yeah, well, first not, to market. Not the totally the first because there was talk rodeo way back in the day. Rick Thompson, yeah. he had like a four or five minute rodeo show that he did for years and was on iTunes. It was the only rodeo podcast ever, mm-hmm. though, like back in the day. But then we were kind of like cowboy shit. We're like this new Vogue, like rogue thing. Mm-hmm. And then, so we can be like, a re- like, we're like maybe fourth or fifth. Yeah. But like first we're in like, Canada, yeah. rodeo, I'm thinking. But then like first doing what what we're doing though like there hasn't been anybody like do like we're not about events and results we're about talking cowboys like, giving people yeah giving people an insight about to the sport that they don't usually get we're just drinking some beers having some conversations yeah on a wednesday afternoon here we are awesome might be morning it might be any day where you are but where we are it's wednesday, it's wednesday. nice finally got some nice weather oh yeah we're about to go back on the patio we didn't do a patio pod this time we probably because the sun was too high in the sky at the time it was gonna heat yeah. up, overheat the mixer. It just wasn't. We were just gonna have a bad time. The mixer overheats. I overheat. Yeah, Wacy like the meat sweats. Yeah, <laughs> not. It ain't good. You don't want none of that. No. Whoop. No. So here we are, though. Kind of like you know, 
hot, what do you call it? Like lazy summer days? Dog days of summer? Dog, the dog days of summer. We're like, we love it. Like if you give oh, us yeah. another month of this, it'd be so sweet. It'd be nice to get it. But I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping for an Indian summer. Yeah? That'd be nice. Oh, yeah. Kinda well, cool. let's go back to that party idea. Let's get, let's plan. Like, what do we, where should we go? We should, like, so I'd like said, to do a brewery. would be cool. Well, Cold Garden and that other one are like next door. So yeah. And Brian Cold has Garden. it on tap at the sh- hat shop. Or like Prairie Dog. Or I think it's, I think it's Half Smith Hitch built. would probably work with us. I think it's, I think it's Smith Belt. Yeah, just, Smith Belt would be sweet. Yeah. We're just going to tell Brian we're coming out. We're going to have a big, big party. 50th pod party. And Cody Harrison, speaking of that, Cody Fan Harrison, of the pod. friend of the show, hat, the hat maker, shaper extraordinaire at mm-hmm. smith built he just sent us a question just on twitter a few minutes ago which is gonna we're gonna like our replies gonna be a little late to we'll you pull it up check it in episode number 45 45 cody but this is our reply it's on, going going back to our conversation in the last, the last episode show. about having like a cut line for yeah limited entries in cheyenne and cheyenne and all the other big rodeos too like i'm just gonna go i'm not gonna say cheyenne i'm gonna say every every big rodeo all the top rodeos should just have the top guys and if you're not a top guy you got to go to the small Work rodeos to get up to the top yeah. rodeos yeah yeah, so like, and he says he doesn't that he has to disagree because he doesn't see his, see it as a fair for the guys who are just out of the top to make the cut for those rodeos. Well, go to those smaller ones, yeah. win your way back in. Well, but you could say you could adopt the PBR model that way. Yeah. Whereas like you have your like you have your top twenty five and you have a buffer zone of five yeah. people. Those guys are alternates. Yeah. The alternates, or you have a, like, so you say you have your you have thirty people, and even Cheyenne, you're not gonna be able to do Cheyenne with just twenty five guys. No, I don't think. No. Those ones like Fort Worth, Houston. You can't do Houston with like with twenty five. No, guys. you, you gotta. It, it, it would vary. It would vary through each thing, right? But you just can't like what, like what we but said. But still, when you get to sh- top fifty in like any event, like yeah. you're getting to some lower end crew at the bottom of the top. Yeah. 50. No, no events they, like they can probably all still win. But there's a big difference from number one to number fifty. But even from number fifteen to number fifty, there's a, oh, absolutely. Top, and that's number twenty to number fifty. That's that's like the spot where people are doing it for a living or they're on the doing on the weekends mm-hmm. between the yeah. like you said the top 20 and the 50 like mm-hmm. that's that's a whole different but even you trim it down category to f- of folks. down to 50 you, you you don't allow like we talked last time with the 150 guys that get entered that are just en- they're just entering it and yeah. like I mean, they might win once in a while those, those guys are going to win but the top yeah. guys are still winning anyways mm-hmm. look at look at Cheyenne the winners this year you had Brody Crest win again, again yep. you had uh, Stetson Ray won the bull ride that's cool but he's he went to the number one in the world there we went in the, bull, might, in the bull ride yeah Kimsey might get knocked off his perch this year damn yeah, and Stetson is the number one man in the world in the all-around. That guy rides bulls really good. First rough stock all-around winner in Cheyenne since Ty Murray. It was like 18 years, wasn't it? 19, 19 I think years. it was 90, 1998. I think it was, tw- well, it would be 21 years, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's a long time. It's a long time, yeah. yeah. That's so, really cool. It's really isn't cool. Isn't that? Yeah. That's impressive. And he rides Bronx good, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, geez. It's cool to see that kind of stuff. It is. It is. Especially nowadays, too, when like the, oh, the timed event right? guys are like, they're so specialized and so well, good at what they do, and they win so much. And there's... More money because there's more entries. They got to pay more. Yeah, but but then then again too, one of the interviews I saw with Stetson was that he was talking about his mom said he shouldn't ride ride bulls. That like his family doesn't love bull riding because he's all the rights are bronc, bronc riders. riders yeah. He's he's the first one to really branch out and really really do some winning at a seriously high level in the PRCA and the bull riding. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know I not remember right now if it was Jake or Jesse, but the year that I was at the high school finals in Fallon, like the Silver State, yeah. one of them won the all around there from winning the bull riding and the bronc riding. Oh wow! Yeah, and even Tyrell Larson won. And he rode bulls. He went yeah. in the CCA, I think, in the bull riding. Yeah, time. and he Orin, won the Canadian high school final. He won both events, the bull riding and the bronc riding. Orin did too in uh, Medicine Hat. Orin did all three events back in yeah. high school, and he won everything. Yeah, the 2008 Manitoba Rodeo Cowboys Association champion bull rider. Interesting. 
So what did you think of the uh, of the '94 that are in Paulville? I know it's a little ways away now, but we had a we had a show that we recorded right mm-hmm. before it, and this one's going out after it. Like, what what were your thoughts on the '94? I thought it was it was a good ride. Yeah. Like, I never got to watch much of the event because I was running around helping chat out. Yeah, but, yeah. But I mean, the rides Check I did watch, they were they were good good rides. Like, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It was yeah. It was it was a really good bronc ride. I I just I'd never probably one of the better ones I've seen. I think but it was you, the best one I've seen. Yeah, it was a really good ride. What I Zeke think put it all over him. Oh yeah, for sure. It's just like I said, it was it was good. Yeah. And you, and you can like so how many points do you dock a guy for missing a couple spurlicks like that, or maybe not getting all the way up in the front? Like, how do you really tweak? Yeah, it? You got to really be a, like attentive though to as a judge. Like, you got to watch like if the guy's like doesn't get like beat the horse to the ground. Like you say, get all the way up to the front. Or, yeah. Like, misses a lick like. You gotta watch for that, and it's it could mean the matter of the spread, right? No, well, and, and this one was a twenty-four and a twenty-three, 23. so you can dock them a point, point on, yeah, like a point. Would be like a half a half a point for like a maybe a miss for like or like I don't know. Like, I don't do know you, how that works. How I don't do you know. do it? I don't know, man. Like it's I don't know. a lot of like like you talk when talking with like Lane and stuff. Like it's or the, yeah. any of the judges, it's crazy. Like you gotta find that spread or like find that at ten. But it's crazy too. Like you mentioned. With you just know what's like that's a forty-seven point ride. It's like okay, cool. yeah. You just because that because that's how you judge. You you give a you give whoever's giving the scores to the uh, to the communication yeah. or the secretary. You give them a total, and then you and then you write your scores and after. But you know that's when you when if if I'm in a judging position, I know that's a twenty-three on a twenty-two or a twenty-two and a half on a twenty-two and a half or whatever it might be. And that's your and you know that's a forty-five. So then you break it down after mm-hmm. whatever. To, so. to me, to me as a judge. It would be easier the Calgary format by having just to watch either the horse or the rider, but then you but then you get some funky scores sometimes when they don't add up. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess it just for but me. But they shouldn't. They should all add up. Yeah, they should. The it part. just like for me watch because you were trying to watch a big sidewalk ride for example. You mm-hmm. got to watch a spur ride. You got to watch the horse. You got to watch this. That's a and lot the other. to it. It's a lot to watch yeah. for one guy because you yeah. have two feeling out two judges on each side. That's true. Whereas if you have two like a guy watching the rider and a guy watching the horse on each side. Mm-hmm. But then, in that you say it, it doesn't always add up. It's just, it's that's part of the thing with like anything like with people like there's that human error. Oh like yeah, it's not absolutely. always going to be. And the PBR is actually working on stuff right now where they can take that part out of it. But I don't know how that's going to happen. There's no way you can take it out. I don't think. No, no. There's not a chance. That just... I mean, they're trying, so it's cool that they're making an effort to so work on something. Auto- you can't automate a judging system like that. You just can't. I don't think so. No, it doesn't make sense. But let them try it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's kind of weird to me. We'll see. Anything's we'll possible. It's 2019. It is true. Got to like that part. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, yeah, we've got some good feedback on our on our couple last shows. Justin Dedean, another friend of the show from the Calgary Stampede, he called me the other day and he said we hit like every point on our Calgary talk about team roping, breakaway. Mm-hmm. What's our you know what are the benefits? What are the drawbacks? Where are you going to park everybody if you had another event? If you if you mm-hmm. don't, it was really it was cool to hear that we kind of like hit the hit the mark on that. Now, now that you mentioned that, move, shifting gears a bit. What about Calgary approving the new arena deal for the yeah, city? Yeah, how about huge. that? Yeah, it's awesome. I agree. Yeah, because that's going to change the like the Later the lands, the landscape. Yeah, for the Stampede Grounds as yeah. well. Yeah, so it means like no more Saddle Dome. Dome's going. Someday. The Corral's going too. Yeah, it's turning into conference space though with B, with the BMO, BMO Center extension. Yeah, so you're, yeah, but the it's it's funny how now that people are talking about like just somehow like my friends in Calgary that they're like don't want the dome to go away. Oh f off! It's fun. It's funny. It's funny Why? that way though, because it's just it's the dome. The it's hell iconic. are they gonna do with it? 
I don't nothing. It'll like, be in pictures. Needs to go away, man. Get a postcard. <laughs> Get yeah. a picture put on I'm, the like, wall. As a, as a hockey fan and as like a person who likes to go to concerts, I'm excited for the new venue because yeah, because the concerts suck in that venue right yeah, now. The, the sound the is trash. Is hot garbage. And we miss a lot of the good shows. No that offense come to FM Systems, they got a good sound system. But it's not their there, fault it's like though. It's, it's the building. It's the building's fault. Sound to like travel upwards yeah in well a weird like direction. for example i went to the, the same band the within a within a week in yeah. edmonton and in calgary and it was totally different best show. live show there's not but they sounded 10 times better in fucking edmonton, edmonton. Yeah, yeah exactly like, it's crazy man i like i like to look at the whole street venue like everything along the street oh the whole, there's like, like a whole area. it's gonna be a whole entertainment district like, that's oh it's oh, that's what we ass. need in calgary man that's it gonna be good that's a good deal for both the city and the owners like everybody's gonna make out all right with it that sounds like not as much work. taxpayer money's gonna go into it yeah. hopefully yeah and the city owns the building too yeah for sure and it's gonna be great and it's gonna be be like obviously we can have a bull riding there sometime one from the and from the flame standpoint like it's easier to like sell someone to come play here yeah you have a nice building oh yeah yeah so i mean it's it's a it's a win-win for the city and then again for stampede or anything like you're you're gonna attract more people who want to come play the big shows like Mm -hmm. we've missed out as calgary we missed out on a lot of concerts yeah nobody wants to come play here because our building sucks yeah that's what i mean and then that Maybe it'll be more parking down at that B-ground if the dome's gone. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> Tough to say. Yeah. That's uh, going to wrap up our first segment here today, though. We'll be... Uh, actually, this is our only segment now. We just changed things, so... New format. New format. Thanks, Ari, for hooking us up, doing our editing, making us sound good, even though we're jackasses on the old microphones, but... <laughs> uh, yeah. So, here we are with our interview this week. We'll uh, catch up with our, with our guest, and we'll see you guys down the road. Down the road. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey. We're here with our guest this afternoon. He's a CPRA rodeo pro official, seven times been to the Canadian Finals rodeo. He's a uh, part of a family that was a former set of stock contractors and a superintendent for the Canadian Border Services Agency. It's Mr. Lane Peterson coming to us live from a parking lot of a co-op card lock in Cornac, Saskatchewan. Lane Peterson, tell us uh, how things are going there today, Lane. Hey guys, uh, it's good. Um, had some weather last night. We're trying to get some hay put up and working at the same time, but it's been good and uh, it's warm. It's just what we need. It's good. So, uh, so you're in the parking lot there at the co-op lane. But talk about uh, let's let's get started here with our bullshit today on cowboy shit. Let's let's change it up. What is your definition of cowboy shit, Lane? I wanna I just wanna get that out right off the bat. Damn. Just bam. Whoa. What do you got? Oh. We're- we're starting with this. I was going to have a little time to warm up before I had to get into the, the big uh, philosophical version of what cowboy shit is. But and that, to me, you know what? I've grown up in the cowboy world my entire life, uh, both on the radio side and on the ranch side. And I'm pretty lucky in, in the part of the province where I live. You know, it's big ranches, and we've got some of the best ranch cowboys in the world, um, some of the best rodeo cowboys. And, and, you know, getting to do the rodeos I do and go to places that I do, I get to hang out with you know, the absolute elite of the elite. So it's uh, it's kind of a cool, cool place to come from. But cowboy shit to me is, is kind of a, it's a set of attitudes, beliefs, and values. Um, you know, it's, it's the things like the honesty in, in a handshake and, and deals based on handshakes, uh, helping neighbors. You know, whenever a neighbor needs help, you drop what you do, you go and do it. Uh, the integrity that, that comes with it, where you're a cowboy first and foremost and, and all the time. Um, it's doing whatever it takes to get the job done. That's probably the biggest thing. I mean, you know, and whether in the ranch end of the world or the rodeo end of the world, sometimes you got to really bear down and make things happen and get them finished. And, and when you do, I mean, that's cowboy shit in a nutshell. Um, 
you know, when you look at, at the whole definition of cowboy and what it is, I mean, we just got down to Calgary Stampede not that long ago, and there's very play, few places in the world where you go and everybody's in, in cowboy gear. They all want to look Western, and, you know, to me, that's, that's kind of the epitome of, uh, of the lifestyle we lead and, and why people, you know, want to be around us. Well, and uh, I, I, I like the... That's I a like, good answer. You've listened to the show before, haven't you? Yeah, you've, got a, <laughs> you've heard a lot. You've been, you've been thinking about this, haven't you? I may be Ted's biggest critic when it comes. He gets the odd text. <laughs> so, and he asked me for him, too. It's okay. I'm not sick at all. A friend of the show. You guys on the internet, so it's not easy owning the internet. Sometimes you need you know, a little bit of help here and there, so I try to do that. I appreciate You know, it's It's a big job. It is definitely a big job. And then... I, I think one of my favorite internet videos is the one that you sent me about how the internet works, where it's talking about like bailing the internet and then like processing the internet and like that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's fucking funny. awesome. It's hilarious. Well, and I don't know, I can't remember where I got that from, but you know, as the Wi-Fi world champ, you need that, you know, sitting in the rewrite then when you need to pull it out. So I it's figured true. you better have it. Well, and I'm thinking like working with Montana Silver, we were just down there at some sales meetings. I just got back this morning. That's why the, we we're kind of wasn't sure on timeline here today, but. I, I got. I'm gonna have to get a, like a buckle made now that says the world champ. I think of the Wi-Fi. Well, I definitely would because I mean you're the only one talking that title. And it's important. Well, and I might have to get like like Brett says a different amount of times every time we do it. He's like he's the nine-time Wi-Fi world champ. It's Ted Stoven. But I don't know how many. You I just put just on do there. it as long as everything Cowboy's been around. That's true. Yeah, since 2010 or whatever. Yeah, so you're the nine-time. Wi-Fi world or just don't put a date on it and just say like just have it like nine times and counting yeah <laughs> you just need to be one more than Brett as far as him being the announcer of the year that's it so if you date, <laughs> that's true well so and so Lane you you said you grew up being a cowboy since you were a kid and you guys previously had a stock contracting business that I I didn't even know about until we got visiting about it at one point. Like, cause I don't know, I don't know all the history in this sport at all. Like, not even close. There's so many different stories and so many different people, and I there's so much to it. But you guys were you guys had horses go to the NFR. You guys had horse like you had a horse win the whole world too, didn't you? Yeah, you know what? Um, I left into a pretty good spot. Um, my mom and dad. In the beginning, they were partners with uh, Jerry Myers and Barry Qualm, and then as time went on, Barry went on his own, and then uh, with time. Mom and dad bought out Jerry Myers, so it went from Myers Barkey to Barkey Rodeo, and then uh, do some rural things out for a bit. We had Raptor V Rodeo. There was a time when uh, the RCA put in some rules where you couldn't take stuff down to rodeo, so everybody made a second company. But I literally, you know, I grew up with bucking horses my entire life. Um, it was a spot where our summers were spent going down the road. I'm the kid that didn't go to swimming lessons because he was hanging tanks and for weeks of scouts, when they file or shot of it, or you know, you name it. Um, we were on the road basically from the first of June till the end of September, and it was it, it was really good. We had, uh, you know, we were really fortunate. We ended up with a we put together a really really good good breeding program that came from you know from some really good origins, you know, such as Bob Black and, and Bill Gilchrist. Uh, we kind of added our own little tweaks in there, and and for a while or for most of it, we had a trade load of horses that were as good as anybody's in the world. That was, it was fun because we, I mean, they took us everywhere, all over North America. Um, you know, and it's pretty cool when you could roll into someplace for the trade of the horses and take the lights out. Well, and that, that one buckle that you wear is actually from the NFR. It's a go-round. Is it a go-round buckle from the finals, like seventh round or something? Well, we got, uh, we've got a few. We got three buckles. That was one of the big thing back then. Um, 
to the the only time you know just kind of we were getting in the end of the business when the buckles started coming out. But you know, if you want to round it at the NFR, we got buckles. So we've got a you know we've got quite a few of those. Um, the CFR was only the last two years they had buckles there, so we've only got a couple of them. Um, you know, Horse of Canada buckles we had had a few. Uh, only one for that, and then uh, we horse the world twice, and, and we've only got one for that as well. But you know, at the end of the day, that's all just awesome. Uh, the experience of the whole thing was, was the coolest part of all of it. To which which horse was it that won the horse of the world? I'm not remembering the name right now. Okay, we had a yeah, he was a, a big gray horse we called High Chaparral. Um, he won it in 1989 and 1992. Um, at that time, it was it was pretty unique in Canada. We had a set of horses. Canada as a whole that was, you know, in, you couldn't compare them with anything else. Um, him and Kingsway and Lonesome Me were kind of in a league of their own. And, you know, you'd get to the four round of Calgary as an example, and they wouldn't have anything to put with them. So they usually put those three monsters in the, in the 10 round and, and put different horses in the, in the four round. Or when they did, they would put something like Guilty Cat as an example, who was an absolute bucker, but a different kind of bucker than those three horses. So if you do Guilty Cat, you know, you, you had a really, really good chance of winning. So you guys had three of the four in the final four, you're saying? No, no, no. We had one of, of the three that came out of Canada. So uh, Franklin said Kingsway and Calgary had loans to me and we had high shop. Um And those three horses were absolute man-eaters. They were, uh, you know, they were the rankest of the rankest. And, um, you know, just at that time, those three horses were in an absolute league of their own. Tell us about your first rodeo. I just had this idea that we should probably... <laughs> We should ask our crew, our our people that we talked to about their first, first rodeo. rodeo. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember your oh, first rodeo? I don't, because I'd have been. I wouldn't even. I'd have been as a baby. So. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is all I've ever done. I can tell you, you know, the first rodeos I've done for sure. Um, I, I, I have. I have, a, I have a better spin off for that question. It's what's your what was your first job at a rodeo then? Being from a stock contractor family. Well, in. in our world, it kind of started, you know, it started with packing flanks and hanging flanks and, and that kind of stuff. So we were really lucky. We, you know, my dad really went out of his way to surround himself with the absolute best crew that he could. And I mean, you know, we had the best pickle men of the world at the time and didn't, didn't realize it. I mean, you know, like the Rampels, they started with us and they had another brother that worked for us as well. Um, we had a whole other, you know, different guys throughout the year. You know, the other name of Fritz, the St. Hartman from, from Lancey that, our crew was literally, you know, it was second to none. And, and you don't realize it till after. I remember Wayne Gold telling me that one time. He said, if you guys are ever going to, you know, change it up, I want all of them. And, you know, we never did. They stayed with us right from the beginning to end. And even if you look at the bullfighters and stuff that could do, I mean, Ryan Byrne, he spent lots of time with us. You know, you're, when you when you have guys like that around you, it just makes everything better. But, you know, I was a kid at the time, and I honestly probably didn't even realize how, how good we had it. Um, but you know, as far as you start, you start hanging flanks and doing whatever odd jobs you need to do. I've pretty much worked every job in an arena, um, from stripping sheets, opening the time event gate, opening the sheet gates, to flanking, to sorting the loading horses, to whatever has to be done. And, you know, kind of going up in that business, that's kind of part that comes with it is you get a pretty good understanding of how that whole arena works. Well, and, and you guys would have been, at the time you would have showed up and brought the whole show which is something that doesn't happen as much anymore where you guys are the rodeo company and you bring, you bring the entire crew. Yeah. Some places were that way. Some like we always had our own, our own crew that helps us. Then, yeah. We brought all the steel. We brought everything. You'd have to set up the arena and then go it was kind of back to the older, you know, rodeo producer days 
at a certain spot. And he had, you know, a lot of really old established committees that he went to and, and seen hang out with every year. You know, that was probably as much fun as anything. And the committees are awesome and they still are everywhere we go. I mean, that's the, that's the bread and butter of this whole game. And um, for me, lots of it, it's, it's I like hanging out with the committee guys because that's how I grew up. And, you know, you make friends you have forever. It's nice when you're going through any town, you know, in lots of places and, and you have vehicle trouble or whatever, you know that, you know, a phone call away is somebody you know that's close and can help you out. Place to stay, a meal, a shower, kind of whatever it might be. <laughs> Absolutely. You bet. Another rodeo mom along the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And kind of my goal has been to get back to the rodeo that you had. You know, other than the, than the states, run, um, I've judged almost all of them. There's only, I think, two in the province that catch them off. So it's been good. Oh, wow. Well, and so further to Wacy's, Wacy's question, where, where was the first place you judged? Well, my first ever rodeo, amateur rodeo I did was at, uh, it was in Sandhills, Lancaster, Saskatchewan. And that was always our first rodeo of the year, too, so it was kind of iconic in, in that sense. Um, the other neat part was a guy that I grew up with and kind of looked up to forever, was a guy by the name of John Lawson, who was a really good rodeo fighter and an excellent rodeo judge. That's who I did my first rodeo with. And he kind of, he was driving around the way, and same as anything, he was driving to go motor on that vehicle travel. He told me first, I'm going to build a barrier. So I'm not going to build a barrier. I had no idea. So I built a barrier, tried to throw one together, and I managed to get it done. Then he phones me, I'm late, I'm going to get there right at the start. So now i got to set this barrier up. So it was kind of trial by fire, and, and away we went, and I kind of sort of never looked back after that. It, it, it turned out good, and, and everything went from there. So my first pro rodeo, my first pro rodeo weekend, I did Maple Creek and Kennedy back-to-back. And you have to overnight, basically, from Maple Creek to Kennedy to get there for sleep. So Maple Creek went good. We get to it and kind of a, you know, sort of a, the good story that comes with this is, you know, you guys have been talking about speakers a little bit in Edmonton. That was my first speaker of the rodeo was in Kennedy. And there's a guy that, uh, you know, you're down in the beer garden. You've never seen where, you know, Kennedy, the beer garden is on one end by the time he found the bench. And the next down the is on the other. He goes down over the fence, runs the entire length of the arena. He takes that Dwayne Riker, the rodeo clown, takes off his hat and wig, saves him. So now this naked guy has a hat and wig running around. Byron Kelp helped them, kind of gives them down in front of the outgate. That was that. So it's one of those things I'll never forget because I probably will never see it again. <laughs> no more streakers in Kennedy? It's kind of an odd place to have a streaker. <laughs> I wouldn't have expected to have one in Kennedy. Everybody no, would probably know who he was. The worst part. Yeah, he's a local guy. And he does it everywhere. He's done at the Ryder game, stuff like that, I guess. Just kind of his deal. The serial streaker. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, this internet thing can work out. For you guys, I mean, there's always other options like that. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so you get going on, on being a judge. But here's the other thing, though. Like, th- being a judge is, is pretty much a lose-lose situation in every sense of the sport. Like, you, you just, you're never going to be really, like, there's going to be issues kind of, like, everywhere. Like, no matter just, what you do. Yeah, real, right? Like, the, I'm sure you have a different attitude towards it, but, like, it's kind of one of those jobs where it's it's really tough to appease everyone yeah it's a tough spot it's kind of one of them things you have to have i mean there aren't a lot of hugs not a lot of hugs in judging rodeos you better chance you're going to get bit from hugs but um you know with time you kind of get it figured out and at the end of it it's kind of you know if you're if you do your homework know your rule book make the call face everything on integrity um the rest kind of takes care of, takes care of itself 
the big thing was, I mean, Rodeo was a high, 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 high adrenaline sport. And it's kind of intense. You know, I mean, when things don't go well, um, guys are revved up a little bit. And sometimes that leads further than, than it needs to. But if you kind of keep all that, you know, in check as well and, and kind of figure things out and work through the situation, um, you know, you find your way through. It's not always fun. I'm not going to tell you that you unscathed all the way through because nobody ever does. But um, it's part of it and you kind of just figure it out. How many of your friends have tried to fight you while you were judging something? <laughs> I've never had anybody try to fight me. Uh, we've been threatened the odd time. Um, the funniest call is usually I get, and a good friend of mine who's retired now. He was kind of at the end of his career. And he calls me up and goes, Why'd you must be 10? And I'm kind of backpedaling a little bit because I'm driving home and, you know, you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And, um, I'm cut out my mom, I'm going on. He goes, You should have worked me four. You were way too high. <laughs> <laughs> And who was that? I didn't hear that the first time. What's that? Who was that? Or did you just say you didn't give us a name? I didn't give a name. No. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He was a fairly decent Bronco in Canada that retired, but it's, uh, you know, you run into that a little bit. And and the reality is at the highest level of the elite level, um, guys are for the most part, they they recognize their own abilities. They know when they do good and they know when they do bad. And what'll get you in trouble more than anything that's not necessarily the calls you make, but lots of times it's the calls you don't make. And that inconsistency is it's tough and it creates holes later and sometimes it creates those those predicaments. The this past weekend, so today's today's today is Wednesday. a Wednesday, yeah. And it's it's only been a few days since uh Pollockville actually. And Zeke Thurston was a point off the, the world record. He was ninety four you were judging with Terry Cook. You guys both marked that yep. ride a 24 on a 23 for 47 points on each side. And your cards were yep. identical the whole way through, which was quite inc- quite remarkable. There were two 89.5-point rides in the championship round, the short go. Uh, one of the horses, you guys marked one of the horses that bucked off Jake Watson, I believe, 48 points, which was yep. quite... That was a rank horse. Yeah, it was pretty wild. And the first round, there was 91... I just got to talk about those scores and just kind of like how you guys can be so tuned in there. Like you're sometimes you're on the same radio channel. So I guess a guy could hear, but if you're just relaying your score to somebody else, like it's, in, it's wild to me that you guys be that close on that many different scores. Well, and it's, it's one of those things that, I mean, it's just a repetition thing, right? Um, you know, for me, I just came from Pinocchio to Calgary to Pollockville. Um, and I've been on, I mean, all the rodeos I go to are, are good and they're all, they're all really good in their own way, but uh, repetition gets you there. And, you know, like if you take Zeke's ride as as an example, I mean, we're also on opposite sides, main things on that. Um, I give my score before I even write it down, and you don't even give it a second thought. It is, you know, it was 47 points in my mind, and, um, you know, that's that's what I give. You know, we don't always agree. That was one of them short rounds, I mean, that was, my kids watched it on the on the Wrangler and I was about five times now, but that short round was, you know, it's second to none as far as riders, horses in the way it all comes together. You can't can't pull it out any better than a went. I mean, I'm sure they would have liked to rode one of the first five, but um, you know, it, it was that place is set up to be that good and the horses love it there and the cowboys they love it. It's it, it's a cool, cool deal. It's it's one of the coolest one of the coolest events we get to go to all year. I, I the only places I've worked with Bob Tallman on the sound or music, this was the first time I've ever set sound for him myself, but that's the only place I get to work with, have got to work with him at yet. So that was way cool on well, my and end. That, 
that event, I mean, the back that many horses in a day, I think we got, what, we got 39 horses. Um, and for yeah, the like most part, in the long round, everybody in the long round had a shot too. Back that many broncs that are that good. And I mean, 80 bottom bottom hole coming in the short round of eight guys. Um, it's phenomenal. Like it, it just, you know, it, it's hard to script it any better than that. You can't script it. That's the beauty of it. It kind of just happens. So that one was easy to mark out of 47 on your side. And if, you know, if Terry would have been a 48, you guys would have tied the record. Like, and, and how do you, but how do you rank that ride compared to one of those record setting rides? We've only, we only have a few videos, videos of those, but I mean, this one you know could have been better. I think, honestly, I had, a, I had a load of horses. I'm going to say over those line was 95. Um, you know, and, and it's unfortunate because we really don't do things justice. And the end of it, you know, and Terry and myself, we, uh, you know, obviously all the guys on our team, you know, the records are, the records are what the records are. If they happen and we feel like that, we're going to come right down. Um, in that situation, you don't think about, you know, is it going to break the record, might it break the record, that kind of thing. Um, you know, it felt like that many points upon, you know, first first opinion and, and the thoughts that we give and that's the way it goes. You can't take it back. Like, and that's what you're paid to do. You're paid no. to give your opinion in a very short amount of time. And and part of yeah, part of it for you guys could be could be a bit of the hype of the event too. Maybe I mean I'm not trying to say anything, but like when that's no. when it's that much cooler of, of an event and it's well produced and it's a better show, you know everybody's going to think think stuff's maybe different than what a video shows. You bet. You know, but it's it's kind of a neat deal because anymore with me wherever I'm at, it, it really doesn't make a difference whether it's doggy, whether it's handhills, whether it's you know you're you're standing somewhere at intermission and somewhere in Saskatchewan, it's, it is exactly what it is. And, and, you know, when you get into the, you know, the different roles that we have, whether you're flagging or whatever, and um, there's a lot of different Sundays you run into, you know, there's a fair bit of pressure on Sundays, uh, whether you're marking scores or, or whether you're, you're running the flag. But, you know, a long time ago, I learned that pressure is a privilege. And, and if you, you know, don't want that pressure, you shouldn't be there. Um, events like Pollockville and Calgary and Panoka, all of them, all of them, all of them. I mean, you get into the WCA one in the South. I mean, you know, we've had two million dollar rodeos and two half million dollar rodeos this year already. And um, you got to want that pressure and you got to want to pick the winner because at the end of the day, that's a lot. Um, as one guy Jedwood told me, he said, there's 16,000 people hearing an opinion, but ours is the one that matters. And, and, it, and it does at the end of the day. But it gets to the point where you watch enough and, and through repetitions, like I was saying before, that you, in your mind, you know, uh, 24 is a 24, 23 is a 23, a 17 is a 17. Well, and, and then in the pro rodeos, only at the CFR and maybe, well, not even Calgary, you only get half points. Well, you, what do you what do you guys get for half points? You're, you are allowed half points. We have half points everywhere. Um, Calgary set up different. It's only marking either the ride or the stock, which, which brings in a, a whole different phenomenon. Um, but, you know, the ones we use for, like Pinocchio and, and uh, you know, we use it in Strathmore this weekend, and, and at the CFR, we use half points all the way through, so it's just a matter of getting them ordered. Um, you know, the half points is just kind of added more spread in, because lots of times things get fairly compressed. But with the level of guys we have right now, it's, it's very easy to get compressed, because there's so much talent. The standard in the U.S. unbelievable. Well, even even in Pollockville, there was, what, three 87-point rides or two 87s to to make the make the short go there that was the last you know, hole. yeah and the funny part about that like when we looked at the cards terry and i we didn't match on them but we didn't have any of those guys tied like on our own cards 
So it took different combinations for all of them to get there, same as it did the, the 289 and a half and short round. And, um, you know, it, it shows for both of them as there's two sides of this Um You know, years ago, I really used to care about what I heard on the other side and whether it matched now. You know what, I just write down with what I got tells me when we go. Let's talk about those WCRA events and how you got to end up going there and what they've been like so far and what your what your thoughts are there. Um, they've been a lot of fun. It's, it's been a, a really, a, it's a different, you know, it's a different concept, a different scheme. Um, I lucked into it. I still don't even know how. Uh, one guy talked to another guy, you know, looking for somebody different. Um, my name got thrown out. They gave me a call to go to Vegas uh, to do the very first one that I did in announcement. Um, which is kind of cool. I mean, it's taken me, you know, talking about iconic buildings, the iconic buildings have been fantastic. And, um, so my first one, I get to go to Vegas um, at the Thomas and I haven't met any of these guys. Um, it was well, it was, it was, it was good. Um, and then we've kind of just learned from there. So that was the first one. And it was sort of just to kind of establish, you know, where things are, um, you know, from there, then we've had the semifinal in, in Guthrie. Which again, another building which is lazy, which I never thought I'd have a chance to even step into, let alone go, you know, do some rodeo stuff in. Um, it's a huge building, and you know, we run two arenas side by side for the time of an end version of it. So, you know, we went there once, then we went to Chicago and did a, a one day million dollar rodeo there. Um, Chicago is uber cool. I mean, it's, you know, they have white sand, and Chicago as a whole, and you know, I spent an extra day just around downtown. To me, the big cities of downtowns are probably the coolest thing, and that's kind of what separates them all. But Chicago, we you know we run into some hiccups and some timing and throwing stuff. Learned a bunch of um, Rodeo was great, uh, but they're all kind of built for ride pass for a for different sort of TV thing. Um, then back to Gatsby, and then back to Green Bay. Green Bay was we went to June first. That's probably been the best one by far. Um, that's the first rodeo they've ever had in Green Bay. So I think the building held seven thousand people, and it's a basketball stadium, so it's very straight up and down to right on top of you and they were absolutely phenomenal. It was just phenomenal how into the rodeo they were. Um, yeah, it was a great experience. It was lots of fun. And then uh, now we've got a whole schedule set up for 2020 and um, we'll see how that goes. It looks like Kansas City's on there and I think Tacoma, uh, somewhere in Washington and then there's one more to come out as well as Jeffrey and stuff in Salt Lake. So. I want to talk about some of, the, some of your favorite stories from the road lane. The, these with these podcasts and what we've been up to a lot of those stories are a big hit and just kind of like favorite memories from different places or some wild stuff that's happened or i, I kind of want to get into that a little bit and then we'll finish off with your with your day job i guess too with the with the border <laughs> business we haven't even talked about that yet well there's been lots of stuff from the road one of the things that um now you know with these different audios that are going too south there's lots of flying um so i'm really learning the flying game and, you know, the old seat draw when you're flying, that's, that's probably the most important piece of that travel and how long it takes to get that kind of stuff with them, you know, who you're sitting beside, that's the whole deal. Um, different times, like I, I was lucky enough to get to go over to Australia uh, a couple different times to do some clinics and do one of their finals over there. And you got 17 hours beside your neighbor there. And I'd drawn some people flying from Vancouver to Sydney that obviously had been flying for two days and their biggest concern. Um, so for 17 hours, it was, let's say, light, less than enjoyable. Ugh. And kind of the other, the other thing that happens is people tend to, you know, 
bring the snacks that they like to eat. And depending on cultural things, sometimes they don't actually carry well with everybody else. Um, but luckily they didn't carry and have them anyway. So, you know, that was, that's one of the big things is with the flying, um, you know, we're flying out of green Bay and there's five world champs on that flight. And, um, yeah, the, the three judges who were on there definitely weren't the most important. Uh, the travel is, is huge. It always has been. You know, even when back in the rodeo business, we probably traveled more. Um, our horses, we went all over North America. We had rigs going every direction. My dad was a little more adventurous than most. Well, every year we'd have, we'd have Swift going on at the same time as Pinoca. So they'd always send up a little load of horses to Pinoca. And, you know, in all... What he decided was I had a buddy that was two years older that was playing senior hockey in Prince Albert, but he had a license. I was 15. We loaded me and him up with $100,000 worth of horses because that's what we sold that third load for, the 100000 American in the end. Um, and off to Pinocchio we go with two kids. And this was pre-cell phone. Um, we had the old Rand McNally Road Atlas. And uh, away we went. So we filled our, filled our pockets full of money. And one year he tried to send travelers checks with his money. And since we decided to wash my pants and we laundered travelers checks, you would believe, you wouldn't believe how much it left them. Absolutely nothing. So they, that was the, <laughs> oh, geez, so then you had no money for the whole trip. No, they wound us up with cash. He's lucky enough we did it before we left, or we would have really been in that because I was kind of free credit card stuff. But, oh, um, you know what? The traveling stuff, it's been, God, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> you know, it's kind of always one adventure after another, you know, and, and little things. And those are the things that entertain me because I'm all about experience now. And I'm getting a, a really a, a good chance or a second chance to kind of run through. You know, this, this upper echelon of rodeo, again, as lucky as a kid, this is what I grew up in, and now we're kind of back into it. So I'm getting a second look and a, and a second, uh, you know, chance to experience it, which is which is awesome. Um, you know, you just can't, it's hard to reciprocate what that what that does. You know, luckily, my kids are getting to kind of grow up in the same world I did. Couldn't good really. traveling stories. Yeah, good traveling stories. I want to hear about, like, Getting stuck at the border before you worked for the border, or maybe like having to call it, having to call <laughs> a favor. You know, that, yeah, that's when I was just, just talking about that the other day when I started this job and I when I got hired for four weeks. Remember one thing, one time, you know, it was kind of a trip from hell right from the beginning. So right after Calgary, it's kind of on Monday, Tuesday, and then bend off was Saturday, Sunday. So we were taking a load of horses to Helena, Montana. So we finished in Shawnee uh, Tuesday night. So Gary and I left. I had his second trailer with his pickup horse. Uh, he was driving the semi. We had to drop a load off and, and bang off, sort, load again, and then, then head south. So we get, we hit a bunch of construction, so we have to go all the way around. So we drive all night, we get to bang off. Um, as we're sorting, the bulls jump out. We have to get them in, we have to resort them, we get them loaded. Um, get to the border, the vet's late, so we sit there for four or five hours, and that's fine. So anyway, we get to Helena, um, you know, and like I said, it's nice and rolled on the, on the trail with really good horses. This wasn't one of those times. We got there, it was probably the worst perforodeo we'd ever put on. You know, we're hanging our heads, stuff like that. You know, it got put all the way the end. But anyway, we're coming home. So we get to the border coming back, and all we've got on is we've got six bulls right in the back of a, of a straight line. So there's a set of pylons at the border. You know how you go to the border and they want you to drive through the pylons? Yeah. Anyway, we're driving the semi, and, and there's a young gal working there, and she's pointing at these pylons. That's even, we're like, no, we want to stay on the outside because it's, you know, it's kind of a bad corner and we're worried we're going to put something in the ditch. Anyway, she makes us go through these pylons and finally do. So let's throw this in the ditch. 
So we're sitting at the border waiting for the vet to come, and the only wheel that's touching the ground on the driver's side is the very front steering wheel on that one. And it's just sitting there waiting on So in the end, we had to Gary called inside the semi, opened up, got bolts, used to head to put weight on the semi, and was able to drive it out. But um, it was funny, I'll never forget that. That was the first thing he told me when he heard about this job, make sure you don't do that. <laughs> you know, so the guy was always really, really careful, but. Um, it was close to a wreck, and there's two hundred barbells on there, and it'll look good if we'd, if we'd have rolled it over at the border and signed some gas. Just because she wanted to stay within the freaking pylons. It was all about the pylons, yep. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So. But no, it was uh, so lots of that kind of stuff. And I mean, we crossed the border a lot, so it was uh, lots of, you know, one time I got to the U.S. side, and, and the U.S. guy was sleeping in there. Um, so <laughs> I guess that's a free pass. Or what? <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to do that. Anyway, so the U.S. guy's sitting there. We got a load of horses on. So we don't have any trouble. So he goes and knocks on the door, and they won't wake up. Slams the door, they won't wake up. So we sit there for about an hour, and finally looks at me, and he goes, "You know, you know, they're not going to throw a kid in jail. So go in there and wake him up somehow." And then I went, and we got him woke up, and you know that was probably the easiest one of us ever. Much wake last night. Sorry, I couldn't hear what you said there. I don't know if you moved your phone or what's happening, but I'm kind of, you're getting to be a little tough to hear at the, it's kind of trailing off. I don't know if your phone's kind of like, what's going on, but. Okay, I'll hold my head still. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if you're like turning away or something or what, but it's it's getting a little tricky to hear you. Um, so you got him woke up and you guys were, then you got to go along and you were all right. Oh, yeah, he basically, when he woke up and realized that we'd been sitting there for a while, uh, we could have had anything on and it wasn't going to matter. <laughs> he was letting us through. Yeah. Well, and, and now with, with your job in this side, like on, on this side of things, is there anything you want to like tell guys that they like should or shouldn't do? Like just, just with, with stuff they might not know that's like not that's going to get you in trouble or anything? Like I'm, I'm trying to be really politically correct here, but like. Yeah. No, the, you know, at the border, we crossed a lot before I went to, too, and kind of the thing we learned is to, you know, if we're always honest and, and always tell the truth of everything you got, it's just going to go someplace. Because um, once you start having problems, it seems like the problems, you know, they don't end, which is unfortunate, but it's kind of, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's, it's kind of part of the business, and it, it's one of the things that has to go smooth. Well, and... I personally, I applied for the, for a Nexus pass a while ago. Like, I think I've had it since 2011. I was actually like on the way to the States and they held me up for like four hours on the way down because they thought I was homeless and they wanted to keep me out of America because I was going to be a burden to America. And finally I told the guy, you know, I don't, I, I like America and everything, but I really like Canada better. So I promise you I will, will be back. But then I got that Nexus card on the way back and that thing's super slick. Like it's totally worthwhile. If you would have had your Wi-Fi World Champion buckle at that time, you could have showed him. <laughs> See, then he wouldn't have known. <laughs> he, would have, he would have realized he's on the internet and we would have been. Yeah, then I would have been like, hey, do you want me to mess with you? Because I could. But, show me your buckle. But you sh- I probably shouldn't uh, try to, uh, what do you call it, barter, bribe. Um, there's a word I'm trying to find here. Shouldn't try and like... Persuade? Persuade or, or try and tell them what to do. That wouldn't work, probably go over very well, would it? No, that doesn't get so far. Um, at the end of the day, you know what? It's just guys working from a rule book, too. Yeah. And they're doing what thing. they have to. And sometimes the right answer isn't the popular answer. And, you know, if <clears throat> you compare the two from working there or judging the rodeo, a lot of times it's, it's, it's 
it's eerily similar. Oh, I bet. I bet. Well, we've got uh, we've got kind of like our 35 minutes on here. Lane, is there anything else you want to talk about? I'll, I'll just finish with one question about Bernie the Fish after that, but do you have anything else? <laughs> you know what? Um, you know, not really. It's been, uh, it's, this whole rodeo deal has been an awful, awful good ride for me. It's been a lot of fun. I'm getting to know a lot of cool places, see a lot of neat things, and I'm, I'm truly enjoying the experience. It's one of those things where, you know, I was fortunate. I got to grow, grow up with, you know, like Will Fairless, Harvey Northcott, those guys, and, you know, two stockmen, and I learned lots from them, and, and I carry that with me now. And, and, you know, now it's, you know, the people I hang out with, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. I, I enjoy it to no end. Well, and, and plus, there's another guy that gets to enjoy enjoy the road with you, and that's Bernie the Fish. He's kind of created his own following with the uh, with yeah. with the rodeo business through you guys' Facebook page and the kids. And and I mean, I don't know if Bernie like does he have a rider? Like, does he have to have M and M's, red M, a bowl of red M and M's before he <laughs> shows up at these places, or, or like what's uh, what's his deal? Well, unfortunately, Bernie left us at Tanoka. Um He did make his three full years on the road with us, and it started so innocent, so not really. Uh, the kids decided they were bringing this fish along. They had him in a great big pickle jar when we were leaving for Pinocchio, so I wasn't overly excited about this. So I took a, took a picture of it, and of course, social media is where things like that shit go, so that's where I put it. Yeah. And by the time I got to Pinocchio, I had all these questions with his name, and so Bernie with it. It was actually his name and his likeness, but Bernie was making fun of me for traveling with his fish, and he was kind of making smart ass remarks and stuff. So he asked me what his name was, and he said, well, it's Bernie. <laughs> and then he's like, Oh, 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 well, that's kind of good then. <laughs> no way so then he was a fan. Um, yeah, absolutely. How could you not be a fan? Yeah. But it was amazing. That fish, he traveled with us for three years. Um, he crossed the Rocky Mountains three times. He was knocked over. He, you know, <laughs> but when last time I went to Noki, he was getting a little floaty, and I knew it was probably time. And uh, figured we might as, well, might as well bury him there when it all ended, because that's where it all started, and ironically it did. So I was actually right before the short round on the last day, he was floating upside down. So we buried him in the campground where we camp at Pinocchio. So it was quite ironic. It's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> the whole story just comes full circle. <laughs> full circle. That's it. Uh, that's well, and I, I was kind of surprised. Like, I really thought we'd be a whole herd of rodeo companion fish take off, right? Like, everybody's packing little dogs and the odd ones, are, you know, packing cakes and things like that. But I thought the fish one would really go. We were going to be on the front end of it, but no. Apparently, it was just trendsetters. Up. Just said, yeah. You guys should start breeding rodeo companion. <laughs> rodeo fish. companion, yeah, like they do on the barrel racing pages with the wiener dogs. Well, not Barty, <laughs> Barty rodeo fish. Bernie was, a, Bernie was a fighting fish, so we couldn't find him a girlfriend because he just oh, so. oh, geez. What? So here's the idea then: you start a, a fighting fish side pot at the rodeos. It's like the cock it's, fights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like. He's, she's get, everybody yeah. in the campsite has fighting fish and you just have make bets on whose yeah. fish is going to win. That'd be pretty entertaining in the evenings. That's exact, exactly what the rodeo world would need, I think. Eh? <laughs> yeah, it would really bring everybody together. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, thanks for doing this today, Lane. We, uh, you probably want to get back on the road and get back to work. And we uh, appreciate your time for doing this. So this has been, uh, been a lot of fun. Thanks for sharing no, your well, stories. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. It's, it's an absolute honor. I mean... Um, no, it's 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 always great to be asked to do this kind of stuff, and you guys are doing doing awful good stuff. So keep it up. Well, uh, your your T-shirt and bribe money's in the mail. Whole <laughs> <laughs> whole line of everything, cowboy. Yeah, the, the, yeah all the stuff. Top. Coffee mug, T-shirt, thumb drive, all the good yeah. stuff. <laughs> Nobody's ever said they've Purple been honored. Yeah, I, that's, like, that's a we're, huge. Yeah, we're we're honored that you said you're honored. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's it. You know what? I enjoy this. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Okay, we'll talk. Uh, catch, catch up with you later here, Lane. Thanks again. You bet, guys. Take care. It's been Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. Thanks again to our guest, Mr. Lane Peterson, being on episode number 45. We'll be back in August with number 46.